We're in John chapter 8. We'll be looking at verses 25 through 40. And we're in the middle of Jesus doing a teaching there in the temple. And he's teaching, as he always did, with authority, which was unusual for that time. The rabbis would teach and they would quote one another, trying to bring emphasis upon who they quoted and so forth. But Jesus just simply speaks truth. And he makes claims that he is the great I am. We would be offended by Jesus' claims. We would even consider perhaps arrogant, prideful. But Jesus, he is compelled by God the Father to proclaim who he is. And Jesus is declaring that he is the singular I am. Back in the wilderness, uh, Moses had an encounter with God at the burning bush. And God tells Moses who he is. Let me read you two verses from Exodus. That's Exodus three thirteen and 14. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That's a little bit peculiar in in the way we verse things. But God tells Moses, I am who I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. There's a present tense declaration by God as to who he is. Is he the God of the past? Of course he is. Is he the God of the future? Yes, he is. But notice he is the God of right now. Present tense. You know, all you have is the moment of right now. And one of God's attributes is he dwells outside of time. And we hear him say in the scriptures, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years are as a day. But here we have Jesus, he's in the temple teaching, and he declares seven times in chapter 8, I am. Seven times. In verses 14, 16, 18, 21, 23, 24, and 28, he declares, I am. And we ended our study last week with Jesus declaring in verse 24, If you do not believe that I am ever-present God, you will die in your sins. This statement of truth by Jesus, it offends the ecumenical thought that prevails in today's world. The thought in today's world, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere in your belief. Well, yes, it does matter what you believe. 
And there are not many ways to God. Jesus says, I am the way. Singular. It's me. And the simple truth remains. One way to God through Jesus and only Jesus do we have salvation. Jesus declaring he's the great I am. It doesn't get lost on the people or the political leaders of that time, the religious leaders. They know what Jesus is referring to. And he's taken time to reveal to his Jewish fellow people there in the temple, he's speaking to his countrymen. So let's read verses uh, 25 through 29 in chapter 8. Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say to you to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me, the Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. What a statement. Always does the things that please the Father. Now the people, along with their, their rulers, they have a question. All right, then who are you? And Jesus answered, hey, I'm the one that I've been telling you about from the beginning. My, my sermon, my message has not changed. It's not changed the claim that he makes I am. He is the great I am. Jesus has never said, perhaps I got a little carried away calling myself the great I am. No, he never declares that. Maybe I got caught up in the moment. You know, I just kind of got carried. No, he meant what he said. This declaration by Jesus, I am, again, strikes a chord with these Jewish leaders and the people. In verse 26, Jesus says, I tell you about God the Father, the things which I heard from him. But they're dull of heart when Jesus speaks of the Father. And they really do not understand. But in verse 28, Jesus will now speak of the cross. When you see the Son of Man lifted up, when you see me crucified, and of course they don't know he means crucified, then he says, then you're going to know that I am. Even a Roman soldier at the crucifixion of Jesus declares, truly, this is the Son of God. Uh, a Gentile Roman soldier declares the truth of Jesus. And he says, Jesus says, I always do the things that please God the Father. That always. Never varies. He's always doing what God the Father desires of him. Now, 
there's a great effort by mankind, unbelievers, to separate Jesus from God. And Jesus has basically issued a challenge to the religious leaders and to the people. And he's saying, if you can find this in me, if you can find any untruth in my works or in my words that I have done apart from my father, speak up. There's no untruth in me. So let's look at verses 30 through 36. And he spoke these words, and many believed in him. Then Jesus said to, to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered him, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Verse 31 is comforting. It comforts me because many of the ordinary common people believe in Jesus. It's amazing to me that most people become a Christian as a child. When our minds are uncluttered by what we call human logic and so forth, a child is granted the ability to believe. And that's the way we are to believe with childlike faith. But the Pharisees, the educated ones, they increase in their unbelief. And Jesus speaks truth that drives a wedge right between believers and unbelievers. And he's openly declared that he has come to earth, he's took on human flesh to seek and save the lost. Our Lord Jesus is not willing that any should perish. Romans 1, read that chapter, it's enlightening because in that chapter we're told how God himself has revealed himself to every man that comes on the face of the earth. God himself has made himself known to every man. So man is without an excuse. But God also, he gave us a free will, or at least a limited free will. And he's given us the ability to choose our own destiny. Heaven or the destruction of hell. That is why the sin of unbelief is so severe. How critical it becomes to teach and nurture belief in Jesus, the Son of God. And as parents, as teachers, we need to cultivate belief in our listeners, in our children. We need to cultivate belief in God in a transparent way, in an obvious way before our children, living out our belief. 
And we've all heard it said, and I detest this statement, well, when my children get older, I'm going to let them decide and choose what they want to believe. Don't you love your child at least to inform them about the living God? We need to guide and instruct our children. We need to believe in an open way about the living God. If you love your child and you care enough about them, you will point them to Jesus. And Jesus has a word for believers. And he says, if you abide, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If the word of God finds an open, welcoming heart, and he finds that in you, and there's obedience to the word of God, that is abiding. So we abide many times without realizing we are abiding. the word of God corrects you that's a good thing that's a good thing none of us are finished products we need the correction of God's word and unfortunately there's a lot of believers who avoid corrective verses in scripture but let the full counsel of God find in you a willing heart to obey now, there's many scriptures, the, what I call the praise God, hallelujah verses, but there's also the sobering verses that tell us to take up our cross and follow him. And these religious leaders of Jesus' day, they show forth, they exhibit their blindness. And they say, we are Abraham's descendants. That's true in the genetic way and then they lie and they say we've never been in bondage to anyone as they say this Rome rules over them and Rome ruled with an iron hand and how about when they were brought out of Egypt out of slavery was that not having someone rule over you but Jesus, he doesn't cite them on their misconceptions of rule. Jesus turns it spiritual. And he says, listen up. Most assuredly, I'm going to tell you a truth here. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, Jesus is talking about what the people practice, the ongoing habits they have, the sinful habits. He's not talking about a person that slips up and sins ever here and again, which we all do. But he's saying, if you practice sin, you are enslaved by sin. And this statement by Jesus causes each and every believer, it should cause a to take inventory of our lifestyle. We should look at ourselves and see, do I have patterns of sin? And if so, repent. Thank goodness we have the opportunity to repent. Allow Jesus to make us free. Free from the bondage 
and slavery of sin. Freedom in Jesus is complete. We do not have to continue in sin. What a blessing. He says repent. What does repent mean? It says make an about face, turn, and go the opposite direction. Turn from your sins is to repent. And now Jesus, he speaks to the Pharisees. And he has a word for them. And that's in verses 37 through 40. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen my father of my father, and you do not do what you have seen of your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if Abraham were your father or your children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. And then he makes this point. Abraham did not do this. First off, Jesus agrees. Yep, you are genetic descendants of Abraham. So why don't you be like Abraham? Why don't you do the works of Abraham? Abraham was a man of faith. He's saying to these people, be people of faith. It's interesting that Abraham received three messengers from heaven to tell him that a son was going to be born to him the following year. They're going to tell him that uh, God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And here Jesus himself stands before them, another messenger, the Son of God from heaven, and they're not like Abraham in that they receive Jesus. These people's hearts are dull. There's some that believe, but the religious leaders don't believe. So if you are a child of Abraham, Jesus says to him, why do you seek to kill me? Bam. There's, there it is. Why are you wanting to kill me if you claim Abraham as your father? Because I've only told you the truth. And he says, the truth that I heard from God. And he said, Abraham did not do this. He says, you Pharisees, you look to Abraham. You think you have a relationship with God because of your heritage. Uh from Abraham and you don't come into a relationship with the living God by genetics if your parents were saved good for them that doesn't make you saved <laughs> if, uh, if you live for God in and of yourself this is a good thing when we first moved back here to Alabama, it was kind of an eye-opener. And that was back in 95 when Huntsville had a newspaper, the Huntsville Times. And I read in the newspaper that 
of the adult population in Alabama claim to be born-again Christians. That's seven out of eight people. I go, wow. It's not seven out of eight people I meet. (laughs) But seven out of eight people back in 95, I don't know, it's probably close to the same now, consider themselves Christians. It reminds me how the religious leaders of Jesus' day considered themselves to have a relationship with God because they were born a Jew. And there's great deception there. I have relatives here in the South who considered themselves a Christian because they were born in Christian America. Oh, do they have a personal relationship with Jesus? No, not really. And having a personal relationship is foreign to them. It was foreign to the leaders in Jesus' day to have a personal relationship with God. For you see, the Jews had come to the point where they no longer considered God up close and personal. In fact, they did not even dare mention his name. And if they made a prayer, if they offered a prayer up to heaven, they would go and find a prayer that some well-known rabbi had wrote that was similar to their prayer request, and they would read that rabbi's prayer. They did not feel that they had a personal relationship with God the Father that they claimed so much to be their God. Yet he wasn't up close and personal. A personal relationship with Jesus was foreign to them. And it's foreign to a lot of people today. Abraham, his righteousness was in truth a man of faith. Abraham believed in God and his words, and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. And that applies to you and I. Do we exercise our faith? Do we call ourselves a Christian in its only words, or do we consider ourselves true disciples of Jesus? We are to abide in our belief. That's welcome God's word and then be obedient to God's word. If you're doing that, you are abiding. And I encourage all of us to abide in Jesus. Don't don't allow your faith to just be something you fill out a form and it says, what faith are you on, Christian? Oh, that's weak. <laughs> Come on. You know, I I remember going through a period of time I wanted to describe my Christian faith, and I went through, well, I'm a born-again Christian, and then that felt kind of short. So then I, I, I believe in Jesus, and I am a born-again Christian. So we put labels on ourselves. But do you abide? Do you allow Jesus to abide in you by his Holy Spirit? I urge you, if not, to do that.
Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.